everybody. Good day, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. It's the um, the second of March. The year is flying by. Up here in the mountains, it's been grey. It's been very wild and windy during the night. We have had heavy rain. I then went down to uh, the town Alfaz del P, uh, which is coming back to life. People are beginning to walk and see uh, coffee being available on the terrace. It's lovely to see the shops open. And again, I'm still annoyed because we've all got to walk around with masks, which I'm not convinced is the, the best way. But there are other people who make those decisions. Um, but what I'd like to do is say good morning to Eric first and make sure that he's well. And how are the frozen wastes down in Albia? Well, for once, you're right, the frozen waste, because it's a bit dippy dippy down here. It's actually, the same worse than dippy dippy. It's cold. It's, uh, we've been, oh, as you know, yesterday, it's kind of dullish, but there's kind of a cold wind blowing, and it goes right through you, the wind, doesn't it? And to be quite honest, I was going to go out and have a drink yesterday, and it was that cold, and I thought, well, you've got to sit outside if you're having a drink, you know, on the terraces. So, believe it or not, I stayed in. Made a cup of coffee. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised because it was cold yesterday. Oh yeah. yeah. And you know, one of the things that w- this podcast is all about is obviously the world of football, which we'll come to in a minute. But I'm going to just talk about something else for a second or two because, quite frankly, I don't think we realise in a general sense how stupid we've all become. You know, we put our money in a bank. And basically, the bank uh, doesn't give us any interest at all on our money at the moment. And then the next thing is it turns around and tells us we've got to use an app to be able to use the bank in any way. So um, a couple of days ago, I've got the app on my phone. I'm busy trying to configure it. And I'm not the best, but I'm not the worst at, at technology. And after spending... A lot of time trying to do this app, I've had to eventually uh, go back and, um, you know, uh, go, go and talk to the bank uh, to get some advice. Well, you go and stand outside on the pavement now. You, you, you can't, um, you know, you, you can't just go into the bank. So the wind's blowing. It's practically raining. There's a group of people all feeling the same as me. Uh, we're all fed up. And then when we get inside and I'm talking to a very nice lady, so to be fair, she was nice, um, I, I said, well, look, would you check that I've got the right app on the uh, the telephone? So uh, uh, I, uh, she checked the app with me. She said, you need two apps. I'm sorry, it doesn't say so on the uh, website. Uh, it doesn't, nobody else has told me. I said, why on earth would I know that you've got to have two apps? So just look, she looked at me, knowing full well that there was no answer, because quite frankly, it's utterly stupid. Um, it's bad enough having to go and try and manipulate your fingers around a small object that doesn't make any sense to you in the first place. But once you actually can get that bit right, and it still doesn't work, and you've got to go then down to town, which costs you a little bit of time and a little bit of money, um, you, you're then told that you need two apps. That does not make sense, does it? Well, the problem is nowadays with the technology, all these uh, companies or businesses or banks, they're all wanting to use the technology. I feel sorry for, well, I, don't, I am a bit of an old person, I must admit, and I'm not the best bloke in the world to mess about with stuff like that. But, you know, 
you're not taking into consideration people's feelings. I mean, why do you want to have an app, Vince? You know what I mean? Why should you have to have an app? You know, I, I can't see the point in it. I understand why they want you to do it, so that they've not got to put you up with you going into the bank and asking questions like, well, have you done? You know, it's just logical, as you as you're trying to say, but I, I, I don't know. It's not, it's not just the banks, it's all businesses now. They want you to go and pay with your phone or pay with your uh, card, you know, and stuff like that. You don't want to have money around. It's uh, like you just said, something above all this is working out. Yeah. So that the financial situation, not only of uh, individual people, but of companies and everything, it's trying to wipe it all out, I reckon. Yeah. All right, uh, rant over, back to soccer, because we love our football. Um, very sad information I've just received on my telephone. Ian St. John's died. Uh, one of the legends from Liverpool and the 80s Liverpool in particular. And I was very fortunate because I managed to play about um, probably a dozen games uh, in the charity football games with him. Uh, lovely man, great footballer and another sad loss to the game. Well, St. John, you, everybody knows Greavesy and, you know, when they used to do the show on the, yes. in the time before football, I mean, it was kind of everybody watched that before and, you know, uh, and all the sayings he used to come out with, him and Greavesy, you know, it was, a, he himself was a nice guy and I must admit I met him as well, I, I was with Peter Swales once in the, in the green room after one of these big mirror things, what they have, uh, questions and answers. And he was—he was, well, when somebody dies, somebody says, "Oh, they're nice people," and you expect that. But there's certain people who you know he was a great bloke, St. John. And remember the old joke, don't you, about St. John, don't you? When uh, somebody wrote it in Liverpool about what would you do if Jesus came to Liverpool, and somebody wrote, "Move St. John to centre forward." <laughs> you know, that's you know, just the one thing I can always remember about St. John. You know, apart from. You know, he, he was just a uh, football-wise. He was kind of more of a, a Firmino-type player, actually. If you ever remember, if you ever saw him play, I mean, you might have played against him. But when you go watching your teams like uh, Liverpool in his day, he was kind of uh, what I would say not an out-and-out centre forward. He, he was more of a Firmino-type yeah. player, and where he just laid back off the front the defenders and played the ball to other people. I mean, I'll tell you, he was after him very strongly when he went, before he went to Liverpool, Tommy Dock, I mean, obviously, sports to Dock, but he, he was trying to get him to go to Old Trafford. Yeah. But anyway, he chose Bill Shankly down at Liverpool. And, uh, that's history now, what he did it for Liverpool, were brilliant. Yeah. Well, in actual fact, you see, when I was in the, uh, the showbiz team, um, these guys used to play for our team as members of the showbiz team. So uh, Roger Hunt played, um, in, uh, Jeff Lawler, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking their names quickly off the top of my head. There, there were a whole stack of them. Tony Hately was another one. Um, and it was just the sheer pleasure of knowing these guys had been at the top of the game. And then here we were socialising with them. And uh, one of my particularly good friends um, uh, was Dave Hickson, you know, um, because basically I was in a, a little group of friends and we knew him very well. He used to play for us every week, actually, Dave Hickson, who was one of the few that played for Tramia, Liverpool and Everton. So, you know, great memories, uh, a sad loss. 
Um, the the apps have annoyed me and have decided because basically it's more important to pay a tribute to Ian St. John. It's calmed me right down. <laughs> Good, well done, man. Yeah. Uh, that, that Dave Hickson, if you remember, we spoke to him on the on the show when he was on OCI. Yeah. And he he, he was a smashing bloke. And uh, yeah, you didn't mention he played for Huddersfield as well. Yes. And for me, yeah, which I mentioned uh, to him actually, he used to have some great duels with Man City centre half, who at the time was Dave Ewing. He was a big raw bone Scotchman and ginger hair, <laughs> and then uh, two used to have some great battles together. And uh, as a football fan, I was only young then in them days, but it was fantastic to see him uh, go head to head kind of thing. And nowadays we don't get that in football because the rules have changed and players nowadays. You can't make a good tackle, really. Half of them will tell you themselves when they're on television being interviewed. You won't be able to last in today's soccer, half of them. Did I send you I send you um, a, a little video yesterday? I, I, I think I sent it to you. Uh, and I it was yeah, a... But I've not watched it yet, then, so go on. OK, it, it's called 70s football. It'll make you chuckle, because it's exactly what you're just talking about. Oh, right. When you see that, that will make you laugh. OK, oh, well, right. look, I'm going to go straight to VAR, because once again, VAR... I, I'm pretty sure it's like uh, society in general. We're being given a little bit, so we can go to the bars again for a few minutes. So, so you know, we'll we'll have a few weeks of that, and then a variant will come out from out of Mongolia again, and you know, then all the bars will close. I think it's the same with VAR because it went very quiet one weekend. Um, almost as if they've pushed us a bit too far. And now they've come back because basically um, when you look at some of the VAR decisions over the weekend, there were two in particular that spring to mind. Um, the Man United versus Chelsea game was one of them, wasn't it? Yeah, but well, I mean, I mean, Solskjaer said afterwards it was a penalty. My own opinion at the time, and I've not changed it, I thought the Manchester United player handled the ball before the Chelsea player. And I didn't feel it was, if anything, it was a free kick for Chelsea because the United players handled the ball. But the Chelsea defense player also handled the ball. But which happened first is the one that counts. And that's what they said originally. You remember when Van Dijk got injured and they said, well, the offside counted first before Pickford hitting at Van Dijk. You know, so it was a, a free kick for the offside. So that didn't count the smack, fact that Pickford smacked into Van Dijk. You know what I mean? So... They change things every week, and VAR, they look at what they want to look at. There's nothing worse now than being watching a game on the telly. Oh, I said VAR are checking that incident. I didn't say anything, you know, by the way. They're checking the incident in the penalty area. So we, nobody knows what's going on, but because probably some players put his hand up for an handball, so the VAR are checking it. And then there's other parts in the game where you see something so obvious and then it's not checked by VAR. Exactly. Now, making these decisions. Yeah, the, the, there was one part, and I don't know which game I was watching because it's no. happening all the time, but there was, yeah. like, I used to enjoy the, the Saturday afternoon wrestling with Kendo Nagasaki and Big Daddy and people like that and Giant Haystacks. Well, yeah, they, yeah. they could be playing football at the moment because some of those uh, skirmishes in the penalty area, um, to be honest with you, if I was refereeing, I'd blow for a foul straight away. I'd, I'd give them a penalty. They won't be doing it that often then. But I mean, they're actually they're now wrestling each other. They're not marking each other. 
they're wrestling yeah. each other and and the referees are not they're not bothered about it or at least they're not um picking it up and i think that is another thing which really makes my blood boil because if you've got a referee blow the whistle you the you're the man that's controlling this game don't just pussyfoot about. If you see somebody wrestling somebody to the ground, it's a penalty. There's no two ways about it. Well, it happened the other week in a game, and I can't remember which game it was, Melvin's, but you're right. He was kind of like slammed him down to the ground like a judo flop, you know. And yeah. I thought, well, that must be a penalty. But there was no check on it. And I thought to myself, why is he no check on that? because it's not a clear and obvious mistake I think that's what they use now but when things are going on in a game and you, all of a sudden you hear oh there's a check on VAR you think what's that for kind of thing Yeah. and then there's times when you see something and it doesn't get checked yet. It, to be fair I mean VAR they should have called it Big Brother because the referees are fighting now because they're being watched there every move every mistake I mean if you remember Many years ago, when we was on the radio talking about it, yeah. you were up for VAR and I wasn't. Uh, I, I just agree with goal line technology. And I said to you at the time, VAR, it'll spoil it because we'll go in the pub and we'll miss out having an argument with our mates because it'll all be perfect. Blimey, it's made it worse yeah. because now you argue what the referee says or does, then you argue what VAR does, then the referee will go over and look at it, the monitor, and you can argue he's just looked at it and still not give it. So he's like, we're arguing more, which I thought we'd lose out of, you know. But that's what it's caused a load of trouble. And the sooner they get rid of it, for me, the better. And just, the referee's going to make mistakes. We all know that. Everybody, I've accepted that from the year dot when I watch football. You know, referees make mistakes because they like footballers. So what you've got to do is not suddenly draw a line on an offside decision and say, oh, that's offside, his toenails offside. The referee there, you should give advantage to the forward. But people say, well, this is what you wanted. You know, you wanted everything to be clear and proper. So if a toenail's offside, he's offside. Yeah. And it just ruined the game, you know. And I'm sure, I think the other week, the uh, Southampton manager said that it was ruining football and he was quite right because he was managing the game where Southampton were not given a penalty and uh, I, I can't remember the team who were playing just a fan were given a penalty for the same incident and the same ball that's in hand yeah. and it was the same referee so you can't say that one referee will give it another one the referee gave one at one end and didn't give it at the other and that is what makes it all wrong, in my opinion. And in the meantime, VAR didn't step in and put the situation right. So, I don't know. It's well, there's three, three things. It's made a mess. Three, know, three, three things. Number one is, I remember you being totally against it. So, uh, in that respect, I totally uh, look back and remember your comments. Number two, what I didn't think about or didn't legislate for was idiots making the decisions on VAR. I, I thought they'd have intelligent people who either have been qualified referees or have played football. It would appear to me that these people are from uh, the, the Great British Bake Off or something like that because they don't know uh, one, one part of football from another. And my third point is in particular handball. Now, if somebody is 
hand hits the ball to to my way of thinking about it I, I know that the the rules are written in a certain way which might change this but i thought a hand was sort of at the end of your arm and it has five little digits or it should have some people mm. might only have one or two it depends on whether you've had an operation mm. so that can clarify what a hand is what i can't see is if the ball hits your arm if you're going to call it anything, call it arm ball because it can't possibly be handball. Let's really start looking at the logic of what we what we say and how we say it. Because if you're saying handball, it has to, for me, involve the hand, and it doesn't involve the hand when somebody fires the ball at you from point blank range. You can't get out the way, and it hits your arm. How on earth can that be called handball? It's, an, it's a nonsense. So, there we are. I've had me rant about that as well today. So, <laughs> let's go next to uh, the game when Brighton were playing... Uh, was it West Brom they were playing? Um, I think it was. And um, the, the referee awarded the gold, then he didn't award the gold, and he, he started doing one thing, and he started doing another. It was like the Okie Koki. Um, do you remember this particular one? Yeah, Lee Mason it was who's the referee. And, yes. Uh, what you see, what happened? I mean, the, the guy who took the free kick turned to the referee and he said, is it OK for taking it now? And the referee said, yes. Yeah. Now, he took the free kick and scored with a great goal, killed it down the wall. And then, as he took the free kick, from what I've been told, the referee blew his whistle again because the goalkeeper wasn't ready. Well, that's not anybody's fault but the goalkeeper if he's not ready, isn't it? Of course. So so the goal then is disallowed. So he talked to the referee, and then he changes his mind and says it is a goal. So they all started to go. Then VAR steps in, and they stop saying that. I just, I just can't understand it. The referee, at the end of the day, made a big rick, and unfortunately, he's had it in the neck for making that mistake. But it was a bad mistake. Why did he tell the lad he could take the free kick? And then as he's taking it. But VAR ruled the fact that the ball hadn't crossed the line when he blew the whistle for the second time to stop play because the, ref the goalkeeper wasn't ready. Now, yeah. Two years ago, Manchester City played Newcastle away in early duels. City took a quick free kick. Aguero scored in the back of the net, and the referee delayed it because he said he didn't tell them they could take a free kick. Now, if you watch football week in, week out, just throw-ins which are not taken from the right place, just free kicks which are not taken from the right place, and you've got referees saying, now, I didn't say you could take it. I mean, how daft can you get? Well, yes. It's certainly... You try to make the game flow. I mean, if somebody's quick enough to see something and take a quick free kick, why are you destroying that man's brain? Exactly. And taking it away from the game itself. Somebody quickly, who's a quick thinker, kind of quick. You don't have to even have to referee. It's common sense that if you've got a chance of a free kick and you can take a quick one, great. How many times do you see him? Referee don't pull him back every time because he didn't say you can't take it. You know, one's on the halfway line, aren't they? Where yeah. you put the ball down and kick it straight away. And referee don't stop them and say, I didn't say you could take that free kick. No. You know, it's, it's... It's nonsensical, Eric. You've hit the nail again totally on the head. It's it's utterly stupid. Um, and another thing with the free kick, free throw-ins, in fact, is the one that yeah. annoys me now. Because the ball goes out, they use another ball now. 
when who suddenly decided that's all right because basically that gives an advantage straight away that never existed. Yeah, the problem with that one, Vince, is because there's no crowds there, whereas before the ball would be put into the crowd. If the ball's into the stand now, the ball's up there and it's stuck, stuck between some chairs and it's another way of wasting time. So the idea was to put balls round the ground so that you can carry on with the play straight away without having to go chasing up the stand and getting the ball out of the stand. Well, it wouldn't be the player, it'd be somebody, probably, I don't know, the stewards there nowadays with no crowd. Somebody would have to do it. So that's the reason for that. Can they tell you that? Definitely? OK. All right, then. Well, now to something a little bit more seedy, something, again, that needs discussing, but it's something that has reared its ugly head again. And this is in the papers about Newcastle United, um, civil claims against uh, George Ormond, who uh, was one of the... Um, coaches, especially for the younger lads, and apparently between 1973 and 1998, this guy was coaching, um, not always with Newcastle United, but he then joined Newcastle United, and uh, it's just the fact that it's there again. It's something that's happened back in those days, and I think I remember telling you, Eric, that um, my own, own son, John, when he was 16, went down to Exeter, and they had something very seedy and very not very nice, uh, so much so that I told him to get put, put, his, put his bags together and get straight back home, and he came back down to Cornwall. I phoned up the, um, I think it was the chairman of Exeter City, and he said to me, it's nothing but a bit of horseplay. Sorry, it was more than horseplay. There was things going on that shouldn't have gone on. Um, it's a part of the game which leaks into society anyway, because this is not something um, that is new to society. It's just basically another example of how society uses certain things, like football in this case, um, for its own ends. And if there's evil people, paedophiles, and that sort of uh, people around, they'll find a way uh they've you know they get into the church they get into uh the the, the scouts and the cubs and of course um coaching in football and other um, areas is obviously a good place for these people to uh, to, to find themselves. Um, disgusting. I mean, any blokes that we know would all say the same thing. It's disgusting, but um, it's unacceptable totally. And yet, apparently, Newcastle are not hedging the bets, but they're not immediately saying, look, you know, we're totally and utterly disassociating ourselves from this man and his behaviour, we will have an investigation. They probably are having an investigation, but really that would be, I think, the first thing they would want to do. Put put down a marker. We're, we're looking at this very carefully. We're not very happy, etc., um, etc. Et it would appear that they're not doing that. Well, it's all changed now, hasn't it? Because in football, these children now are being picked up at the age of eight think about it, eight, I mean, I, I can't understand it because when I was eight, I mean, we used to go in the park playing football, but you'd never even dream of being involved with a football club. And it's like nowadays, uh, so therefore, people can get into the football clubs at, at a lower level 
uh, where they are looking after youngsters. And I don't know, obviously now I would imagine that most people are vetted. You know, we, you're talking back a few years now, and, it, and like all these people who've been found out, it's all a few years ago. But nowadays it's eight-year-olds they're looking after. And to me, originally when I started watching football, nobody used to get picked up till they were over certainly 15, 16. And even a lot of them, have, two of my friends didn't get picked up till they were 20. You know, and uh, that's how football was. But nowadays you're getting the youngins so, so early in life. And, and as I've said many times before, what happens is these footballers, one of the reasons why half of them are a bit thick is because some of them are in a bubble and all they see, you go to play football and then they come back home and then they go back playing football and they think they, all they see is the star players and the parents are the same because they want the kids to be successful and get on in football. And that's a way forward for these people now, particularly in small areas where there's not much money about, if you understand what I mean. It's an escape for people. And so when you get to 15, and then, the, well, you see them many times on the telly. In fact, when, I was going to mention it quite a few weeks ago about where people get to an age now at these football clubs and you're told that they're not good enough. And then these people are moved on. And therefore, you know, they spent maybe seven years from being eight years old to 15 and getting moved on. But these are ways, going back to what you said, where... In the old days, I don't think you can get as much of it happening nowadays because there's that many things done on people before they even get a job at a football club. So I might be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure they're well vetted now, people who are looking after youngsters because of what's happened in the past. But I think the, 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 the thing that, that I think I'm saying is, is that um, if I... Because I was involved in trying to stamp out something with my own son and therefore you know I, I can relate to you what uh, my conversation was with the chairman of Exeter uh, basically you know he thought it was just a bit of fun well you know uh, the trouble with a lot of life in general is that people who make the decisions these unknown people who are making decisions about uh, our lives at the moment with masks and things like that um, very often, th th there seems to be an area with paedophilia where there's not enough statement of intent from people who should be making these statements, like, we are not going to accept anything uh, of this nature in our football club. Sign the chairman of whatever the club might be. Uh, that would be the first thing I would expect a club chairman uh, to, to do, you know, is to come out... And actually say that, sorry about that, I've, I've got my phone going. Um, I, I think that's what I would say. That, that's the, um, the first thing that, that um, I would, would prefer to see. If you've got something that we know is bad, maybe for other people, they, I know, for example, uh, I went and read this in a particular religion, and they don't see it as being quite the same as, as I see it, and Western society sees it. You know, um, to me, that you've got to look after your children. And therefore, it doesn't matter what religions come into your sphere of uh, influence. So if they come into the Western world from the Eastern world, etc., etc., those are our rules. And we want to make sure everybody has clarity. So therefore, if you're a judge and you start um, pontificating about other people's children, you're wrong. It's, it's a question of society saying this is not acceptable. And I'd like to see, I would like to have seen Newcastle with a very, very strong statement 
to say this is not going to happen uh, from uh, from this minute onwards we will investigate this thoroughly um, uh, we're, we're shutting the door after the horse has probably bolted but we're going to make sure that this will never happen again I think that's what really my position would be well like you say I mean Newcastle are in disarray anyway as a football club uh, they probably take this as a minor matter I presume I don't know it isn't a minor matter but that's the way I should imagine Newcastle are looking at it and uh, all they're doing is they're papering over the cracks by saying whatever they've got to say and that's it kind of thing so I don't know it's, overall I, I think nowadays football is a lot more organised at, at that level to what it used to be I think it was very loose in the early days when the uh, people were more of like I mean I think if I remember your John would be round the 15 mark, wouldn't he, when he went to Elixir? Yes, yes, he was. I mean, I'm not sure I can remember when you told me about the incident. And uh, 15 year olds, that's around about the time when people were being picked up, not at 8 year old and 9 year old and things like that. And because uh, we never used to have under 8, well, in our day, it was like under 16s and maybe under 15s. But anything less than that but now they've got under 10s they've got under 19s you know and so on all the way through the clubs working in different leagues and i just got the feeling nowadays it's definitely changed at football clubs that the people who are in charge of them and don't forget they even have uh, i'm waiting for something to happen with this women's league where something will, will, uh, will come to light about something going on you know, with the blokes are managing teams in the women's league. Yes. I'm not. You know, we, that's another thing which could be a, a flare up. I don't know, and I hope I'm wrong. But you know, that that could happen in a bit where something will go on. In that, when when the papers decide to pick on something, they'll pick on it and dig and dig and dig until we find something. Well, it's like I mean, for my money, if you think about it. They seem to be spending more time and energy trying to encourage people to come out and tell the world they're gay. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. You know, they're trying, this is all about trying to change the world. It's part of the same issue. By all means, you know, we respect other people's sexuality and all that sort of thing. Of course we should. But when it comes to protecting children, we protect children at all costs. That is a priority. And uh, anyway, look, I'm going to move to the games that we've seen then. Uh, and we go to Saturday the 27th. Now, we're going back a week. So uh, Man City were playing West. Ham and you and I both saw that Man City would win this one. It wasn't a, a big victory because obviously I think the one thing Pep Guardiola is now beginning to do better is the games that aren't pretty games he wins and that's why you've got such a fantastic team and such a fantastic run and I think that uh, that's something that he's probably had to adapt. A tight game, West Ham are playing pretty good football, they're in the top four at the moment. Um, 2-1, were you pleased with the result? It was a good game. It was a good result. And uh, at the end of the day, West Ham could have equalised in the last minute because I've always said one goal is never enough in football. Yeah. A free kick in the last minute, a corner kick. But in, in the end, the guy did it wide. But that's not our fault he did it wide. It's their, their problem. And we, we miss enough chances ourselves. But yeah, it was a good game of football. And credit to West Ham. Uh, they didn't come and defend, and that was the only thing I was a little bit worried about. They, they played with a, a, a chance of attacking City, and I've said before, the only way to beat Man City 
or even when Liverpool were in the pump. Uh, that was a long time ago, by the way. Uh, uh, you know, he used to attack him, and that yeah. way, he's, he's, if he's go out defending, okay, it has worked out for quite a few clubs, particularly teams near the bottom, whereby they get that many players back. Uh, but it's good, and that's one maybe a good open game, by the way. Yeah, City and West Ham, and that's why two-one for City was a good result because West Ham are playing good football at the moment. Yeah. Okay, then uh, our second game, we both got right. We thought there'd be a goal in it. Uh, You got the score bang on, 1-0. I thought 2-1. West Brom were playing Brighton. Brighton have always looked a good team. Uh, West Brom got the goal, and that's exactly what they needed to do. Um, Good result for Sam Allardyce there. Well, it's a good result, but we've already discussed it about the referee. I mean, it was a bit of a joke, and uh, yeah. if I'd have been the bright manager, I would have been, well, he was upset. I mean, he'd already lost the game on the Monday night of that week when he lost to a goal in the 94th minute when uh, Benteke volleyed the ball in, and he'd absolutely hammered Crystal Palace and got beat 2-1 by him. And uh, that was that was just a more salt in the wound that day, I'm afraid, on the weekend, the referee's performance. Uh, but Having said that, I've got to blame Brighton. They missed two penalties. So at the end of the day, if you can't put your penalties away, what can you expect? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was feeling sorry for them. But when they missed two penalties, I thought, well, it's your own fault now. If you can't put penalties away, and, you know, that, anyway, it was a good result for West Brom. And it, it was the kind of result that Sam's been looking for. A little bit of luck, and that went his way with them missing two penalties and the referee helping. Disallowing that free kick, so good, good win for West West Brom. Okay, well done, Sam. <laughs> uh, Leeds at home to Villa. I thought that Villa would win. You thought Leeds would win. Um, it turned out Leeds nil, Villa won. Uh, a tight game. I don't think really uh, Leeds can sort of claim that they were the better team on the night. Villa looked as if they wanted to win it, and they did win it. Well, once again, Villa's defence was king in that game, in my opinion. I thought the defence played very well. Leeds played the normal game of attacking football. And they, once the goal went in, it just gave Villa something to hang on to. And to be fair, Leeds carried on as normal. But at the end of the day, Villa's defence was on top. And that, to me, was a good result for the Aston Villa. If somebody had told me they'd won that game without Grealish, I'd have been... Well, that's why I think Leeds to beat them. Yeah. But anyway, fair play to Villa. Very strong team and looking good. Uh, Newcastle uh, entertained Wolves, and we both thought Wolves would win this one. And, um, in fact, it was a 1-1 draw. I quite like watching Wolves. Newcastle don't really appeal to me, but they got the draw, which is, you know, at least they get a point. Well... <laughs> And slowly but surely getting dragged into the relegation fight, Newcastle, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And by God, they needed a win this particular day. And unfortunately, uh, it, it went against them. Uh, they had most of the play against Wolves. It was only in the last 15 minutes. And this happened with a lot of teams. If they're losing, for the last 15 minutes, they start to push forward. And look, a miles better team than they'd done for the other 60 minutes, kind of thing. And. Uh, this is what happened with Wolves and Newcastle. Wolves pushed forward and scored a good goal to make it one apiece. And as I said before, the only way forward is to play attacking football. If you get a good idea, you get a good idea. Let's face it, nobody's took more good ideas than Southampton, have they? They've <laughs> <laughs> had a couple of nine nods and six ones. But, that, you know, so therefore, 
I, I, I'm a great believer that you can just go out and play a good game of football. I know that people like managers say, well, my job's on the line. It's OK you saying that if you're the pundit or something like that. But it's a fact. You better, if you only go down, go down fighting. Don't go down with the wind by not making the effort. Yeah. We'll probably come to that in a bit later anyway. OK. Um, now, Crystal Palace and Flame. Um, I predicted a draw. You thought Flame would have won that one. But uh, he's a wily old bird, is uh, Woy Hodgson. Um, did they deserve a draw? What do you think on that one? Uh, I think... Uh, well, I didn't actually watch this game because this was on at the same time as uh, Leicester and Arsenal. Uh, so I did, couldn't watch two games at once. And uh, from, from the highlights and what I've seen, Fulham once again had most of the play, uh, but they couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And this seems to be a bit of a problem with all the teams near the bottom, such as Brighton, Fulham, Sheffield United. They're all in the same boat whereby they're lacking a goal scorer. For all the good play you do, and if you can't give it the finishing part of the game that, you know, then you're not going to get very far. But once again, Fulham play good football and funnily enough this weekend, I think they've got Liverpool away. That'd be an interesting game, that. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll come to that later. We will indeed, as we go to Leicester against Arsenal. Uh, I predicted a 2-3, meaning Arsenal would win that one. You thought Leicester would win. Um, I think Arsenal seem to have turned a corner. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, I, well, Leicester scored early doors, by the way. He was one on up, and uh, things were, weren't looking too good for Arsenal at the time. But they settled down. And one of the reasons why I thought Leicester would beat Arsenal because uh, both teams were playing in Europe on the Wednesday night, on the Thursday night. Obviously, that's why the game was on Sunday. And I just had the feeling when we were talking about it, I thought Arsenal could go out against Benfica and Leicester would get through. <laughs> the exact opposite happened. So therefore, uh, Leicester got knocked out and Arsenal got win. And it would have made a big influence on that particular game because Arsenal went there full of confidence after beating Benfica. And I think that uh, Leicester was on a little bit of a down having got knocked out of the Europe, Europa Cup. So it was a great win for Arsenal. And I, I think they're playing good football. And I think, if I'm not mistaken... They left a couple of good players out at weekend as well. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I've got Aubameyang in my fantasy football, and you don't pick him and he's doing me head in. <laughs> he's one of the best centre-forwards in the league. And for some reason, you don't pick him. He kind of rotates him with Lacazette. He's not a bad player, I must admit, but as regards to scoring goals, Aubameyang's a lot better. Well, he's had, anyway, he's had personal problems, hasn't he? I think... Uh, well, his mother was very ill. Yes. Going back a few weeks, but since uh, I don't know what's happened, whether she's recovered or I don't think she's passed away because we would have heard. So she may have recovered and on her way back now for good health. But I think this is the this is the Spanish influence because quite honestly, um, you know, the one thing that I think Spanish people do tend to do well is they do tend to look after each other's families and I think that really, you know, um, the priority had to be Obama Yang and his mum. Uh, so uh, well done to Arteta getting his priorities right. Oh yeah, I mean... He don't forget two years ago when uh, David Silva had his son born and was ill for ages and, and he'd just give him time off, said to, you know, Guardiola, like you just said, the Spanish, the way they look after children is something to look, look at and say it's fantastic, you know. Yeah. 
as you just said earlier, about children are top priority, whatever level you're at, you know, and uh, in, even in football, it's just the same. And now, like you say, the Spanish seem to have that thing about family as well. Yeah, it's an aspect of life here which I really enjoy and uh, I do think that um, at the moment th this is really under the microscope because it's almost like uh, it's part of the plan. Uh, maybe people see it a bit differently when they've got bags of money and influence, etc. It's not an aspect that I like, but anyway. Um, OK, so we go next to a game. We both thought Tottenham uh, would beat Burnley. Um, you thought they'd give them a good eye, didn't you? You said 3-0. I thought it was only going to be about 2-1. In actual fact, they took off like a bat out of hell, and Gareth Bale looks as if he's been eating some sort of um, stuff that you get on Mars or something. I mean, he's he's actually looking like a footballer again. Yeah, he must be. I mean, if I was a Tottenham fan, I'd be going barmy now, because why he's not been playing Gareth Bale is beyond me, because even when he come on against City the other week, he, he whipped round about three players and put in a cracking shot, which Edison saved. I know that was probably all he actually did do against City, but the signs were there that he's on his way back. And now he's getting a chance to play for a bit more, 90 minutes possibly. And uh, he, he's look, he, We all know what a good player Gareth Bale is. Uh, there's no argument about that. And getting Bale, Kane and Son as a three men up front, blimey, that's as good a three as you'll get in any any team and I've just got the feeling that uh, I, I, he must be kicking himself why he's not been picking him but it's somewhat a bit more which we don't know about maybe he's not training hard enough and showing well I think right this attitude, is this know. is the, the aspect of man management where I think these top guys are getting things right I mean Bale had an attitude he did have an attitude problem uh, because obviously he's been shown he's got to show that he's got the right attitude to play for his football team I think eventually the penny dropped and now he's more worried about playing football than balancing the bun on top of his head so you know I'm pleased about that Chelsea played Manchester United I saw this as a draw you saw it as a draw it ended up as a nil-nil draw um, I think we've talked a little bit about the controversy um, and in particular things like, you know, harassing the ref, um, you know, going up mob-handed to try and influence the decision, that sort of thing. Um, there, are, there are things that we would like to see out of the game and that's part of it. But these referees do themselves no, no uh, favours at all because they act like idiots. Um, it's hard work. I shouldn't say that because it is hard work um, to try and see everything out of the corner of your eye but you've got two linesmen and a fourth official what's wrong with these guys I don't blame just one person I blame the team of referees who were chosen to look after that game that's what I blame and they don't use the linesman at all you know it's just it's amazing isn't it? you'll see an incident where the linesman's nearer to the incident than referee well he won't talk to the linesman he'll make you drooling and nine times out of ten you overrule the linesman anyway but uh Occasionally, I mean, even now that that word whereby they don't put the flag up until the ball's gone out of play, you know, or yeah. the game's been stopped, and then he can put his flag up. Um, the goals we keep seeing being scored, and then oh no, the flag's up now, but it's not gone up before they score. 
which I, I can't understand it. What was what was the idea of that? Well, the idea for me is that it makes us all annoyed and makes us all talk about things and don't think about the things that are going on around us. That's a, that's yeah. exactly as I see it. Um, I, I probably sound awful the way I talk at times, but I mean, you know, you couldn't legislate for such stupidity. That's the way I see it. Yeah, it's kind of an advancement of VAR, isn't it? When the goal is scored, nobody knows now. Yeah. And my mate, who's a, a season ticket holder at Old Trafford, and he says he, he stopped celebrating goals when he could go because he, you know, that it could be just ruled out. So it, this is another thing which has helped and destroyed the game. You know, all things like this which is going on. And luckily enough, a lot of clubs are very fortunate there isn't any crowds there because there'd be a lot of uh, trouble. You know what I mean? I think Tottenham fans would be going barmy at their manager because of the fact that, he, you know, what, what the way he'd been playing, uh, their attitude. Well, anyway, the, the referee, going back to the Chelsea-Man United game, this was another game whereby I think both, I don't think, maybe two shots in the game. I just got the feeling that these teams, particularly Man United, when they play a top team, and they've not beaten one yet, by the way, a top, well, we'll call it a top six, but they haven't beaten one yet. Uh, so, therefore, I just got the feeling they're happy to go with the draw. And the one thing, whether you like Roy Keane or not, when he comes on the telly and he says it as it is Roy Keane, he yeah. says they haven't got the bottle to go out there to win the game. They're just happy to beat a draw. But he says that's not how Manchester United have always been. We always go out to win games. And now, at the moment... Ollie is just happy to get a draw at these places, and I don't think uh, I don't think it's right. Going back to as I said before, it's far better to go out with a a bang, going going for it, and uh, getting a nil nil draw because we've mentioned it before. Drawing one game or losing, if you play two games and you draw two games, you get two points. Yes. If you play two games and you win one and you lose one. You get three points. Exactly. So what is the point in hanging on for the draw? Somebody won't have a word with Ollie about that. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, we'll go next to Sheffield United. Uh, very sadly, at the bottom of the table, they don't look as, as bad a team as everybody's making. I think they're not a bad team, actually. They just don't basically, uh, they so, sometimes don't get the rub of the green, but also I don't think they've got the flair that maybe other teams have got. Liverpool did a job, 2-0. Um, I thought they'd win 1-0. You thought they'd win 3-0. So we both got the score right. I thought Liverpool looked good. They didn't look back to the best for a minute, but I think they have got so many things going on. Obviously, Alison Becker with his dad dying and all that sort of stuff, and, and Klopp with his mother dying. On top of all the injuries, lots of different things to legislate. Um, I'm pleased that they got a win there. Well, I was fairly confident you'd beat Sheffield United. As I've said before, they can't score goals at anything there. Probably the high score is McGoldrick with about five, I think. I'm, I could be wrong there. But, uh, yeah, Sheffield United, we're never going to bother. No matter who played at the back for Liverpool, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't see them scoring. And that's why I went for a 3 on result Liverpool. Because Liverpool still, even though we're going about Liverpool's defence, you've still got your three forwards there who are the key men. And they're the ones who win games for you. Yeah. And uh, although they haven't been playing that particularly well, you could only say maybe Salah has kept up to his normal standards 
of being a greedy little devil, but he's still a good player. You know what I mean? So, uh, well, we might even lose him yeah. because he's got to go off to play for Egypt. Uh, Eric, oh. we've got uh, about 12 minutes left, and oh. Everton beat Southampton 1-0. I thought it'd be a draw. You thought Southampton would win. Uh, so we both got that one wrong. Um, Everton are now contenders for this top six, and uh, oh. maybe even top four. They look in very strong. Well, everybody says Liverpool's got a chance of getting in the top four, never mind top six, and their level points for Liverpool were a game in hand. Yeah. So you're probably right what you just said there. Then. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I watched the game last night. I was a bit upset for Southampton because of the fact that there was another team who just came out towards the end and gave themselves a couple of good chances to equalise because what, Liverpool, what Everton didn't do was see the game out and get that second goal, which is key to all matches. And... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I thought we were a bit unlucky not to get a draw out of that Southampton. Yeah. OK, we're going to rattle through these predictions now. So right, right. Uh, we go 3rd of March tomorrow, Burnley versus Leicester. I'll start this one. I think Leicester should win this 2-1. Uh, well, after Burnley's performance down at uh, Tottenham, I've got to go along with you there. I fancy Leicester to win. But at the moment, don't forget, I think Madison's injured. So one of their key lads is missing. So it'll just be a matter of if Burnley's defence can keep hold of Duncan Vardy. OK, score? Oh, Joe, 1-0 Leicester. OK, Sheffield United play Aston Villa. I think Aston Villa has got to win this 1-2-0. Well, I've got to agree with that. I'm on the scoreline as well. I was just thinking it when you mentioned it. I fancy 2 non Villa. OK, uh, Crystal Palace play Manchester United. I think Manchester United will win this one, and I think it'll be 1-3. Well, they've got the best away record in the league, Manchester United, and uh, not lost the game. Uh, yeah, I've got to go with you there. I think United might even win about 4-0. OK. Uh, Fulham take on Spurs. Now, that's an interesting game, this one. Um, Spurs are beginning to fly. Fulham looks quite strong, but I still think Spurs should win this 3-1. Well, it should be a good game, a good, well, depending on the way he'll play the manager. Once in a while, he, he gets it he gets it right, like he did last weekend against Burnley. He got the early goal, which made all the difference. Yeah, that, but I've got to go with uh, a, a Tottenham win. But I think it'll be a tight game, something like 2-1. OK. Uh, now, I'll let you go first for West Brom-Everton. West Brom-Everton, got to fancy... <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to go for a draw. I was going to say I've got a fancy with Everton, but no, I'm going for the draw, one all draw. OK, I'm going Everton winning 2-1. Liverpool-Chelsea. Liverpool-Chelsea, good game. Chelsea will be looking for the draw there. Uh, Liverpool, I'm going for the draw, because I've got a feeling both teams will be happy to get a draw. One all. OK, I've written 2-2. Two -two. Um, Burnley play Arsenal on Saturday. These are the Saturday fixtures. Burnley-Arsenal, I can't see Arsenal not winning that one. 1-2. One, well, we're, we're sending Burnley into the Blinking Mire here because we've got them to get beat by Leicester. <laughs> I've got them to get beat by Arsenal as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I fancy Arsenal 3-0. OK, Sheffield United and Southampton. Southampton are due a bit of luck, so I'm going for the draw, a deal-deal. OK, now, Southampton on the road can be good. I think it'll be very tight, and I think Southampton will win 1-0. Aston Villa, Midlands Derby, Wolves are the visitors. That's a difficult one to predict. What do you think will happen there? 
Yeah, I'm going on to the draw syndrome again here. I, I don't like picking draws, actually. I'm going for a 1-1. OK, and I think Villa will win 2-1. Uh, Brighton at home to Leicester. You've already told me that uh, Madison's out, so it's going to be a bit more difficult. Um, I can't really see Brighton beating Leicester, but it's going to be difficult. Um, and that could be a draw. I'll go for 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> Might sound silly, but I've just got the feeling Brighton had you that little bit of luck after what happened at West Brom last week. And I think they drew a bit of luck, and I've got the feeling Brighton will win this one 1 0. OK. Uh, our next games are on the Sunday, and the first one is West Brom are playing Newcastle. Wow, what a game that is, isn't it? I mean, that is, that is, that is a time to drag Newcastle into the relegation fight by beating them. But Newcastle, they have this habit of turning up results when you don't expect them. Mm -hmm. But I'm going for the uh, going for the West Brom win, one nil. Okay, and I'm going for a draw, one one. Uh, now Liverpool take on Fulham. I know Liverpool's home records has been awful since uh, Burnley started the rot for them, but it's got to finish it sometime. I'm going to go to Liverpool to win this one, two one. Well, I, I think it'll be a good game. And the one good thing from Liverpool's point of view, Fulham won't go there and pack the defence like these other teams have done to get results. Whether they've looked at that and may think about doing it, well, I've just got a feeling Scott Parker won't be like that. And I think they'll come out give an open game. And that's not a bad forecast, what you've just given. 2-1, I think it might be about the right score. OK. Big game. Man City, Man United. Man United, obviously, in second place. Man City, absolutely uh, champions-elect, playing wonderful football. I think they'll be quite happy to draw Man City. Uh, Man United might slip up if they try to win this one. So I think a draw will be the outcome 2-2. Well, on the cards, uh, when we played them at Old Trafford, it finished up 0-0. Both teams seem to be happy about getting a nil-nil at Old Trafford. I don't think it'll happen this weekend. I, I think City will beat United 2-0. But don't forget, United are better away from home. And uh, it'll be a tough game, but I, I've just got the feeling City will win it 2-0. OK, well, we say away from home, but really the only thing we're talking about is um, maybe walking a, a couple of uh, miles maximum. Uh, probably most of them could have a picnic outside and then go in and play. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, Spurs at home to Crystal Palace. Now, that could be a little bit more difficult than you look at at first. You know, um, I think Spurs should win it, but I think it'll be only something like 3-1. Well, Palace are like, a bit like Newcastle, you know, they, t they turn up places and get results, which uh, absolutely amazes me how they do it. And I always reckon they're good for relegation, but as we've said before about Roy Hodgson and Lincoln Lewington, Ray Lewington, they, they craft the old devils. And I, I won't be surprised if you don't get a draw here. OK. Uh, score? Oh, no, no. No, no. OK, now we go to another interesting game where, where Ancelotti goes back to his happy hunting grounds at Chelsea. Everton are the visitors. Um, they've got uh, Thomas Tuchel with his new style now. Um, how do you think that one will go? Well, a bit like Man United. Everton have been playing better away from home. And uh, this could be another one of uh, the draws, I reckon. It'll be a one apiece, I reckon. 
Okay, no, I actually I'm not putting a ball in the net. I'm putting Everton down for two one. It's not that mm-hmm. it's not that uh I think that there's anything wrong with Chelsea. It's just that the motivation has got to be with Everton. After beating Liverpool after twenty years, possibly getting in the top four, which is a great possibility now. Um that's why I go with that one. West Aim playing well, top four team at the moment. They entertain Leeds, who can play exceptionally well. Um, what do you think of that one? Well, it should be a good game, I must admit that. Most games, when Leeds are involved, it's a good game. Uh, you know, i just got a funny feeling Leeds are going to win this game. Because I've I, I got a funny feeling, uh, without being awful, that the bubbles of West Ham are going to burst, and I've just got the feeling that Leeds are the team to do it. Score? Oh, 2 0, sorry. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for 2 2, by the way, uh, because I just feel that uh, Leeds are so frail at the back. I mean, it is quite strange how they're flamboyant and great to watch, and then they leak so many goals. You've got another game on Wednesday, um, which is Man City are playing Southampton. Uh, I think, quite honestly, this will be one where Man City will open up. I, I can't really see Southampton winning it. I'm going to go for about 4-1 on that. Yeah, it's, it depends on the early results, which we just talked about. Uh, yeah, I, you, at the moment, you can't see Man City losing, but one thing's for sure, that they will lose, and it'll be something when we don't expect it. So uh, I, I still go for City to win about 3-0. OK. Now, it's a very strange season, Eric. I mean, we've got a couple of minutes left to just sort of ruminate on what's happened. And when you look at uh, the, the Liverpool situation in particular, um, you know, it, it couldn't really have been scripted, this one. And I do think that the crowds have made such a big impact over the years that, you know, if we'd have been having this bad run of form the crowd would have lifted. There would have been a nice, supportive atmosphere for Klopp and his team. I also keep at the back of my mind that Klopp's number two did mention that he was doing most of uh, the day-to-day running of the team and that basically um, Klopp was doing the, um, uh, the, the media work at the end of the game. I do think uh, Klopp has missed this number two guy. How much... We don't know because basically uh, we'll probably never know the story there. But um, I do think that sometimes you need, and not just on a football field, you need somebody with you when you've got lots of problems like obviously his own mother and now Alison Becker's father. Um, You know, I think these are very, very strange times and uh, they need to be looked at in a different way, don't they? I think Liverpool have been uh, blaming injuries through a lot of problems, but I think a big problem is what you've just said. They've not had the crowd behind them at home, which is always a gold start for Liverpool. Anybody going to Anfield, they always knew they were in for a hard game. Now you go there and it's dead, isn't it? You know, if you ever listen to it, I mean, all these games, try turning this silly sound that they put on where there's a crowd there, which is, it does me head in that. Uh, but you get a game and it's so dead, but you can hear, like, say, the number two or somebody on the bench shouting, telling the players what to do all the time. It's not the manager, but I'm sure they have these people behind them who's doing the shouting to the players. And you just listen to it on the toilet. It's fantastic to hear. And, I, you know, I'm listening. And, you know, it's funny. 
Somebody will say, oh, I'm sorry if you've used some bad language there. I yeah. Think, well, it ain't a bad language. Well, well what is it? Gre- mentioned it. You know, I thought, well, I never heard it, but I can hear people shouting. But uh, yeah. they must be having somebody there. You say, oh, somebody swore then. Will you apologise? I think to myself, what's that all about? Yeah. Now? Well, it's not the Great British Bake Off, is it? I mean, when all's said and done, we expect all that sort of stuff on a football field. And I think they've got to wake up to these things. It's a man's game. We play it. Sorry about this, ladies, because I know you play lovely football as well. But it is actually a man's game. And you're trying to make it something that it's not. So that's the way I see it. Eric, we've come to the end of our time together. Um, I'll just uh, put you over for the last 20 seconds to say your goodbyes. Thanks for being with me and stay safe well same to you Vince you look after yourself mate in these troubled times ok